Hey, what's up? I'm Aaron Dodson, and you're listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. Psalm 119, verse 34, best describes this podcast. The psalmist wrote in the long ago, Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text, and I do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we might keep God's law and that we might observe it with our whole hearts. In this episode, I want to discuss the answer to self-doubt and arrogance. Those are two words that are on two different uh, ends of the spectrum, we might think. And in our society, many people suffer or struggle with self-doubt, not feeling useful or valuable or worthy, or worthwhile, or important. There's a lot of that in our society. And, and, and it's my belief that the reason for this is because of the way we are reared, the way we are treated from childhood, the things that we are taught or not taught, and, uh, and then the environment that we grow up in and the environment we're in as an adult. And also, it can be as a result of a lack of knowledge of God's Word, that God has set His affection on us, that we are made in His image, and that we are the pinnacle of His creation, as we often uh, style ourselves, based on Psalm 8, that God truly loves mankind because mankind is his special creation. Again, you read this idea uh, in Psalm 8 that we are important in the mind of God. God loves us greatly and deeply, far beyond what we can fully understand and perhaps appreciate. Psalm 8, uh, verse 3, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Truly, God has exalted mankind and that gives us self-worth because God is the one that gives us that worth as his, as his special creation. But without that knowledge, people doubt themselves. And then even after we become children of God, we can feel uh, you know, unable or uh, weak, and sometimes we are, uh, and so we doubt ourselves. But on the other end, another issue that I want to talk about and address in a moment is the idea of arrogance, the, the attitude, I should say, of arrogance, uh, thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. Paul talks about that problem in Romans chapter 12, I think verse 3 and following, that we are not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, and so we need humility. But uh, I want to share in this episode with you a post that I saw online by uh, a good uh, brother in Christ, Jack Wilkie. And some of you may have saw this if you follow him uh, on Facebook. I thought this was an excellent post, and so I would like to read it you know, word for word. I want to give him the credit for posting it. 
And I want to make some comments about it because I think it would make a great podcast and it would be a blessing to you all, to my listeners. Possibly someone listens to this that uh, did not see that. Moses saw a bush that was on fire yet was not consumed. As bizarre a sight as it was, he had to get closer to find out more. The sight got even crazier when God himself spoke to him from the bush. He was told to take off his shoes, for it was holy ground. He fell on his face in fear of the Almighty. And yet, within seconds, he, Moses, set about making excuses and questioning God, telling God all the reasons why he didn't consider himself the right candidate for God's mission. In other words, all he could see was himself and his own weaknesses. He had taken his eyes off the burning bush to do some self-pitying navel-gazing. Later, at the great sin that kept him out of the promised land, he told the people of Israel that he and Aaron would provide them water from the rock and disobeyed God. He had come fully to the other end of the spectrum. All he could see was himself and his own perceived greatness. He had taken his eyes off God's providence to do some self-promoting and preening. Then Jack concludes with these two ideas. The answer to self-doubt and self-flagellation flagellation is simple. Stop looking at yourself and look at God instead. The answer to arrogance is just as simple. Stop looking at yourself and look at God instead. Now I want to add some, I want to go back and add some of my own commentary, you know, in my own podcast here to this. I think this is an excellent post, and it's certainly biblical, and that's why I want to share it. He starts out and he says, Moses saw a bush that was on fire yet not consumed. I want to go there, and I want you to join me. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 and following, and if you're listening and you're in a place where you can't open the Bible or locate it on your digital device, that's okay. Listen as I read aloud, but join me in your mind. Exodus chapter 3, and keep in mind, Moses and the nation had been in slavery, and the nation, the people before him for many, many years, hundreds of years. And when Moses gets older, he, he leaves Pharaoh's daughter's house and all that. He, he, he forsakes the treasures of Egypt. You remember the riches of Egypt. He ends up fleeing to Midian because he defends an Egyptian, excuse me, an Israelite by killing an Egyptian who was striking an Israelite. And he flees because he fears his life, etc., and there, when he flees, he goes to the land of Midian. He ends up meeting uh, Jethro, and then he meets Jeth or he meets Jethro's daughter, and then he meets Jethro, and then he marries Jethro's daughter. He gets married. Um, that's where the record there of him getting married, etc. And then over a period of time, uh, the king of Egypt that had sought to kill uh, Moses because of his killing the Egyptian died 
and 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 the nation of Israel groaned because of the bondage that they were in. They cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. And Exodus 2, verse 24 and 25 says, So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Now here's what I want to get into. That is the background to chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So he's out here tending to his sheep, to his flock. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. It wasn't being consumed. Can you imagine that? I can, we can only imagine. I mean, I've, I've been a part of fires before and I've burned things, but they burn up. The fire devours them and changes them to, to another substance. <laughs> They're consumed. But this bush was not being consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God said to him or called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. So the sight, as Jack says, got crazier when God himself speaks from the bush. He's told to take off his shoes. It's holy ground. And he falls down on his face. Verse 6, God says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. So he had fear and reverence for God as he should. But just... Moments later, after seeing the powerful presence of God, God says, look, I've seen the oppression of my people. I've heard their cry. I know their sorrow, verse 7. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, verse 8, and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites, excuse me, the Hittites and the last one, the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, think about this, mighty God speaking to him. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So within seconds of God's appearance and him beholding this, this, this appearance of God, he goes about to make all kind of excuses and questions God. And he tells God all the reasons why he doesn't think himself to be the right candidate for the work that God has told him to do. Let's consider those words. Exodus 3 verse 11. But Moses said to God, notice the contrast, but first you're, you're, you're confronted with almighty God, a bush that's not burnt up. I can only imagine what that looked like. And then God speaking from the bush. Moses returning speech back to him. And him identifying himself. I'm the God of your father. The God of Abraham. It's not like, you know, he, he comes back with some kind of terrifying. I'm sure it was some terrifying experience to some degree. But he connects with Moses. He says, look, I'm the God of your father. The God of Abraham. 
the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And of course, he was afraid to look upon him because of his presence, etc., no doubt. But look what God says. The Lord says, I've seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cry. I know their sorrows. You see, God is acquainted with these things. And he had a mission for Moses. He says, come now, therefore, verse 8, I'm going to send you to deliver them. I'm going to give them the land that I promised Abraham. I'm, I'm going to give it to them. And immediately, Exodus 3, verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now, you know, Paul's there. Put a peg there. You may have heard of a, a devotional done or done a devotional or I may have done it before. And so, well, Moses was just being humble. Maybe that was his attempt to be humble. Maybe. Maybe it was. But what we do know is this. It, 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 it was the first of 11 complaints by Moses. <laughs> it was the first. And if you're wondering where those are, you can read them. Exodus 3, 4, 1, 4.10, 4.13, 5.22, 6.12, 6.30, 17.4, and Numbers 11, verses 10 and 21. There's the 11 complaints, the references he had just saw God. God had spoken to him. He's standing before his presence. God who knows all these things, he's intimate with his people. He's, he's watching their problems and he says, I've chosen you. And instead of saying, what do you want me to do? How do I do it? What's the next step? Thank you, God. What should I do next? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Well, you're the, you're the one that Jehovah picked. That, that, that's who you are. So he said, the Lord, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And they did that. And it was a sign that God had spoken to Moses. And it was true, and it came to pass. Now, here's the second of his 11 complaints, verse 13. Moses, then, Moses, then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel to say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. That is, I am the self-existent one, the eternal God, the one who always has been and always will be, Psalm 90, verse 2. I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together, and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you, and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst, and after that he will let you go, and I will give this people... 
favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed, but every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me. Or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So Moses says, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord God said to him, or the Lord said to him, rather, now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put, it, put his hand in his bosom again. He drew out of his bosom, and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it out on the dry land, the water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. Then Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, O oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. He has just seen the presence of Almighty God. And look at the continued, we've now read five complaints, five excuses. The anger of the Lord is kindled against Moses, verse 14. And he says, is not Aaron your Levite, your, the Levite, your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and I will teach you what you shall do so he shall be your spokesman to the people and he himself shall be as a mouth for you and you shall be to him as God and you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. And then Moses obeys. In other words, as Jack says in the article or in the post, all he could see was himself and his own weaknesses. He had taken his eyes off the burning bush to do some self-pitying navel-gazing. Folks, God has given us as children of God today a mission. We are to abide by the same principles of what we call the Great Commission. God charged the apostles to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature and to, by making disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Well, one of the things he commanded them was to make disciples of all the nations by baptizing people into a relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we do have that charge today, and we're to do that to the end of the age as they were to do it. We're to be busy about the Father's business, but we have all these reasons, all these excuses why we can't do it. 
We don't know enough. We're scared. We're not good speakers. We're not good with our words. We're nervous. We're too young. We're too old. We're too tall. We're too short. We're too heavy. We're too skinny. We're too healthy. We're too sick. And on and on the things, the excuses go. And what are we doing when we say those things? We're taking our eyes off of Almighty God. If God chooses us for a mission, and he has in making disciples of all the nations, then he will suit us. He will dress us. He will make us able to do the work if we will but in faith follow. So within seconds, he makes excuses. He questions God. He tells God all the reasons why he can't do it. And he did this, no doubt, because he put the focus on himself and not on God. Well, later on, Numbers chapter 21, I recall, I do believe it is. I'm turning there now, Numbers chapter 21, a, a very sad section of Scripture. We read about the nation of Israel in the wilderness. And they're, they're dealing with their own hardships and difficulties. And Moses sins. And that sin keeps him out of the promised land. And he sinned by telling the people of Israel that he and Aaron would provide them water from the rock. But he disobeyed. I'm going to provide it, he says. And let me look here, folks. I thought I had the reference in Numbers 21, but I don't. And so if you can be patient with me for just a moment, uh, somebody's listening and you recall where it is, but uh, this is a one-sided deal, so you can't tell me where it's at. I do believe it's in the book of Numbers that it records where Moses, Numbers chapter 20, not 21. I was off one chapter there. Verse 1 and following. Listen to this. Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came to, into the wilderness of Zin, Z-I-N, in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there. That's Aaron's sister. And, and was buried there. Aaron, Aaron and Moses' sister. Now there was no water for the congregation. So they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. Oh, man. See that? Gathering together against. That's not good. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought us up? Brought up? Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us up to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went in from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then, then, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, 
You and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. Now watch this. And he said, Here now you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock. Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice. Now in verse 8, God said to speak to the rock. So he disobeyed God. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. There we have the biblical record of this great sin that kept Moses out of the promised land. He had come fully to the other end of the spectrum. He started by self-doubting, doubting self. Even though he was in the presence of God and he knew God at the beginning said, I've chosen you to do this. Now, God knew what he was doing. He, he would have chosen the right person, and he did. Moses didn't realize that because he was self-doubting. But in this instance, many years later, he had come to the other end, it seems. And all he could see in that moment was himself and his own perceived greatness. Their need for Moses. Notice, listen to his words again. Numbers 20, verse 10. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and they say, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? We, we, we. Well, it wasn't Moses and Aaron that brought the water from the rock. It was God. But what happened is Moses had taken his eyes off of God's providence. God providing for them to do some self-promoting and preening. Again, here's the point of this episode. The answer to this arrogance is stop looking at self and look at God instead. The same answer for both problems and they could, I could probably make the case, I, I, I believe I can, that in every instance, the problem that we experience in life is we are not looking at God, we're looking at ourselves and others instead. I think of the great account of Jesus walking on the sea and Peter walking on the water with him. Lord, if it's really you, I want to walk with you. And he did for a time. But you remember he began to sink. Remember that? And the text, the Word of God tells us why he sank. It tells us the reason that he sank was because he saw that the wind was, <coughs> excuse me, that it was boisterous, that, 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 it, was, that it, was, it was strong, it was bad. And so he began to sink. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. You see, 
in every instance, when we have problems in life, it's usually because we take our eyes off of God. Now, I will say this. That it seems sometimes we suffer and we're not taking our eyes off of God. We're striving to live right. And I believe that. I get that. I believe that was the case with Job. That he loved the Lord God Almighty so much. And he hungered for his word more than his necessary food. I believe that. He wrote that. I believe it's true. But he still suffered. He didn't know why. And sometimes we don't know why. But folks, in either case, it's either our own fault that troubles are happening because we took our eyes off the Lord or is something that happens and we don't know the reason but we're having problems because when that happens we're complaining or we're taking our eyes off the Lord and that's the answer even when we don't know why we're suffering as a righteous person now sometimes righteous people suffer because we're doing what's right that's one of the beatitudes but I thought the wonderful thing about this post that uh, my brother Jack Wilkie made was that the answer to self-doubt and self-flagellation is simple. Stop looking at yourself and look at God instead. The answer to arrogance is just as simple. Stop looking at yourself and look at God instead. You see, in both cases, when we doubt ourselves, and when we think more of ourselves than we ought, we are looking at self and not God. I hope this episode has brought to your mind the necessary, the necessary work of keeping our eyes on Jesus. It has me. This post was a great blessing to my life. And he may never hear this, but I appreciate it. I may send him a message. I'll comment even. But this, this post was a blessing to my life, number one, because it's truth. It's the Word of God. And the way he worded it and laid it out, that I wanted to make a podcast episode out of it. It encouraged me so much. Stop looking at self and instead look at God. Help us, God. As I heard one faithful evangelist say, Satan has many weapons of mass distraction. Help us, O oh God, to keep our eyes focused on you instead. Help us to stop looking at self and look at God instead. Help us, O oh God. We'll be better at drawing closer to you, at resisting temptation, and in carrying out the mission to make disciples of all the nations. Help us, O oh God. Help us. We depend upon you, Father. We truly do. If you have been doubting yourself, you have felt weak or low, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Almighty God instead of yourself. You'll gain strength and you'll grow closer to Him than you have before. And if you think that God's lucky to have you, if we begin to feel in our hearts that you know this church where I am if they didn't have me, it'd fall apart. We've become arrogant. We have become a, per, a people who are thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. We need to stop doing that, stop thinking that way, and start looking at God instead. That's humility, knowing our proper role, 
knowing where we weigh in the scheme of things, well, we're we're not uh, like the monkeys or lower than the monkeys or a little better than the monkeys. or No, 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 no. We have been made a little lower than the heavenly beings called the angels. We've been given, given rule and dominion. We, we have so many blessings and privileges as the pinnacle of God's creation. And with those blessings come tremendous responsibilities. But it's within our power And the Word of God is what should motivate us in the right direction to stop looking at self and instead look at God. Do we want to be more beneficial as a husband, as a a father? Maybe you're listening. You're a woman. You're a wife. You're a grandmother. You want to be more beneficial to others. You want to be more effective in your family. Maybe you're an evangelist, a Bible class teacher, an elder or a deacon. You're serving the Lord as a quote-unquote regular member. Folks, we're all members. We're all equal in Christ. Maybe you're not an elder or a deacon or a Bible class teacher right now. You just love the Lord Jesus Christ and you're a member of his church and you're struggling or suffering or discouraged or maybe you're, you're feeling that you're real important deep down. Stop looking at self and look at God instead. He'll give you all that you need to do what he wants you to do to give him the honor and the glory that he deserves. And in turn, when we do that, When we obey that form of doctrine from the heart, as the Bible teaches, we will be blessed for it. Not because we deserved it or earned it, but because that's the way the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ works. It will bless our lives like nothing else before, and nothing else ever will. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Stop looking at self and look at God instead. Keep your eyes looking to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2. Put Jesus ever before you. Put the word of God in your heart every day. Help me, O God, to do the same so that I'm not distracted. Oh, man, these things are so important. Help us, O Heavenly Father. And that's our request in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening for the Give Me Understanding podcast. We'll catch you next time.